as I previously stated, I've entitled this message before there was time. Now, somebody may think, where in the world would you come up with a message like that? How do you know about anything like that? Well, we're totally dependent upon this book. These are not my thoughts. This is what God's word says with regard to this thing of time. Now, we're all uh, in some measure keenly aware of time, more so today than any other day. We think of the past. We think of the future on this first calendar day of the year. The writer to the Hebrews says in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now he tells us to fear this thing of falling short of entering into his rest. That's what faith is. It's resting. Not working. Resting. Just as God ceased from his works in creation and rested, the work was finished, we rest in his completed work. Now, if I do not enter into his rest sometime during this time of my time here on earth, I will not be in eternity in heaven, but in that other place. This is so important that you and I enter into this rest. Because God says regarding those who do not believe, I've sworn in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Look at what he says in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached, talking about these Old Testament figures, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, and that should read, they shall not enter into my rest. And then he makes this very unusual statement. Look in verse 3. Although the works were finished, completed from the foundation of the world. That statement says that the works were finished, completed, accomplished before there was time. 
title of this message, Before There Was Time. Now, this is not some obscure text. You know, as a matter of fact, there's no such thing as an obscure text, is there? (laughs) If it's in the Bible, it's God's word. But everything that takes place in time was already finished in eternity. Acts chapter 15, verse 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning. All of his works of creation, all of his works of providence, that which takes place in time, and all of his works of salvation were finished, completed, already accomplished from the foundation of the world. And what that means is before there was time. Time is temporary. John said in Revelation 10.6 that there should be time no longer. Time is temporary. It's temporal. Time began in creation when we have the creation of time and space and matter. But before creation, there was no time. There was no past. There was no future. Everything was eternally present. All there was was God. No time. No space, no matter. All there was was God in the trinity of his sacred persons. Now, all you and I know by way of experience is time. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, past, present, future, measured in increments of Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millenniums. We were conceived at a point in time. We have birthdays, don't we? And our lives are lived out in time. The life and times of so-and-so. How we spend our time. Time. Now I'm greatly concerned about what takes place in time. I want to walk with God in my time here on earth. David said, my times are in thy hand. Aren't you glad? 
In my time here on earth, I want to enter into his rest. I want to be saved. I want the Lord to save me. You know, I hate the term, I got saved. I hate that term. I want the Lord to save me. I want to believe the gospel. I want to be a real believer. Whatever that is. I want to preach the gospel. I want the Lord to bless me. In my time. Now I hope I say this in humility. Because I'm aware of my own sin and failure all the time. But in this time I have, I want to live a life that glorifies God. In this time. I want to be an example to follow in this time. I want to be a good husband so that my wife could say honestly I'm glad he's my husband I want that to happen in time I want to be a good parent I want to be a good friend I want to be that friend that loveth at all times so that if I'm somebody's friend they say I'm glad he's my friend in this time I want to be a true pastor after God's own heart during this time, my time here on earth. I want to always, in my time, give my best effort at whatever I'm doing. When I preach a message, I better know I've done my best. It might not be much, but it's going to be my best. I'd never want to give a lack of effort during this time. During this time, I want to exemplify the Beatitudes. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to mourn over my sin before God. I want to be meek before God. I want to hunger and thirst after his righteousness. I want to be pure in heart. I want to be a real peacemaker. I want to truly be merciful. I would count it my highest privilege to be allowed to be persecuted for his righteousness' sake. In this time, I want the Lord to prosper his cause here on earth. Remember how the Lord taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want the Lord to bless this church. I want his grace to be upon us. I want the Lord to bless every church where his gospel is preached. I don't want to just think of this 
place. I want to think of the kingdom of heaven everywhere. I want all of us in this time we have to be successful as God measures success, not as man measures success. I want us to be successful and fruitful in this time. I want us to be successful in our homes, in our careers. I want us to be a blessing to others in this time. I want in my life, in this time, the time I have, to exemplify what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read this to you. Why don't you turn there? First Corinthians chapter 13. And before we read it, I want to read the first verse of chapter 14. Follow after charity. Pursue it. Make this your pursuit in this time. He says in chapter 13 verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I'm as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gifts of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a cause of for the cause of truth is what he's talking about. If I give myself to be a martyr for the truth and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity, love, suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not trying to prove to everybody how great it is. It's not puffed up with pride it doesn't behave itself unseemly it's not rude seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil that means it keeps no records of wrongs rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things and that simply means covers with silence all things Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. Look what he says in verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Pursue charity. Pursue it. Follow it. Make it your aim and your purpose. I want in this life... To know the joy and peace of believing. In my time. The wise man said in Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Now I'm not saying that I'm not greatly concerned about time. Right now. Tomorrow. I am. 
and I know everything that takes place in time, he purposed in eternity. There is no good luck. There is no bad luck. There is no chance. There are no random events. The wise man said in Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Everything that takes place without exception, everything is of the Lord. The Lord says there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground. Talking about something insignificant in some other country, a bird dying and falling out of a tree. I mean, you don't think about it. The Heavenly Father controls it. That's why we can say with Paul in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know, there's no room for worrying. There's no room for fretting. David said in Psalm 115.3, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done. Not really he's doing or he will do. He hath done. Whatsoever he hath pleased. I love the song we sing, This is my father's world. And let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and heaven and earth be one. Now with regard to time, I don't know how many times I've heard people just say conversationally when Something takes place. Well, I think there's a reason for everything. There's a purpose for everything. Now, they don't go any further than that, but uh, they have some vague notion that there's a reason for everything. And then there are others who believe in what they call fate. Not a personal God, but fate that controls everything. It was fate that caused this to take place. Well, who's fate? And then there's what is known as determinism. Determinism is that belief that everything is already encoded in our DNA, what, how we act. It was just determined because of who we is. There's no uh, will involved and there's really no responsibility involved. Everything has just been determined. It's all in our DNA. Whatever you do, it was already encoded in you to do that. A vague notion is wrong. Fatalism is wrong. 
Determinism is wrong. While we do not believe in free will, and we don't, there's no such thing as free will. Your will is determined by your nature. Uh, the very idea of free will really is a philosophical absurdity. Uh, tiger, if he wants to, he can uh, eat grass. You can tell him not to. <laughs> I wouldn't, but he's not going to do it because it's against his nature. Your will is determined by your nature. Um, that being said, uh, we do what we want to do. And we do not do what we do not want to do. And we are responsible for what we do and what we do not do. And God is completely sovereign over our free and uncoerced actions. And it's not difficult for him. He's God. I think of the scripture. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn with me to look at this. And this will demonstrate what I'm saying. Acts chapter 4. This is the early church. And look what they had to say in verse 27. This is the church united in praise for of a truth, Acts chapter 4 verse 27, for of a truth against Thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. When those Roman soldiers were nailing the spikes in the hands and the feet of our Lord and fastening him to that cross. Here's why it took place. It was God's will and counsel for this to be done. Now they were held responsible. What they did was evil. In Acts chapter 2, uh, it says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain. It was his purpose that doesn't get you off the hook with wicked hands. You've taken him and crucified him and slain him. You did what you wanted to do. But God is completely sovereign over the free and uncoerced actions of men. And it's not difficult for him. He's God. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. God says, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. I've spoken it. I also will do it. I purposed it. I will bring it to pass. Listen to this scripture from Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. <laughs> he doeth according to his will. In the armors of heaven 
and among the inhabitants of the earth. Right now, in this room and outside of this room. He doeth according to his will. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? He does his will. And his will was all done in eternity. This is who God is. And listen to this. A God that is not this God is a false God. A figment of men's depraved imagination. This is the God of the Bible. The eternal God. In Psalm 90, we read these words in verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth, and the world even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. Listen to this. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it's past. And as a watch in the night. You know, even in this book of Hebrews, we read of his eternal throne. And let me remind you of this. This is not talking about a material throne. His eternal throne. We read, thy throne, O God, is forever an eternal salvation, eternal judgment, eternal redemption, the eternal spirit, the eternal inheritance, the eternal covenant. He is the eternal God. And that is why Paul said, we look not at things which are temporal, but things which are eternal. For the things that are temporal they're just temporary the things which are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal now we could know nothing of eternity had not God made it known in his word you see the things that I'm talking about the only foundation of these things is scripture not a philosophy, not a point of view, not a way of looking at things. This is only from the Scripture, God's holy word. Paul said we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, you think of the Scripture, the mystery that God ordained before the world began. There, what is a mystery? Well, when we use the word in our day, what's mystery to me means we don't know. We don't know. Uh, and you can say that about so many things. We just don't know. We don't know. Mystery to me. But that's not what the Bible means by the word. A mystery is something we would never have known had not God made it known in his 
word. And the mysteries of scripture, it's not something we so much intellectually comprehend. For instance, can you intellectually comprehend how God can be one God in three distinct persons? Of course not. We believe it because God has made it known in his word. Uh, the mystery of union with Christ, eternally united. Paul says, I speak a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church, the two being one flesh, being one. We would have done. What about the, what about the mystery of Christ in you? Great, this great mystery, Christ in you. What a mystery. We believe it. We glory in it. We would never have known it had not God made it known. And that's the way the gospel is to be preached in a mystery which God ordained before the world. All the mystery of the gospel comes from eternity. Now, I'm going to read you some scriptures of, with regard to before there was time. Time took place in creation before there was time. Well, we read in Ephesians 3.11... Of the eternal purpose. Listen to the language. The eternal purpose. Which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we read of the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. This is God we're speaking of. This is God the scripture speaks of. Listen to this scripture with regard to God's purpose. Romans 9 verse 11. For the children. Talking about Jacob and Esau. The twins. Same mom and dad. Same womb. Same upbringing. For the children. Being not yet born neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, now there's the word, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Now that's God's eternal purpose, that salvation might not be of works. You can't work your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do to make yourself acceptable with God. That's God's purpose. That the purpose of God according to election might stand. It ain't going away. Not of works. But of him that calleth. I love this verse of scripture. John chapter 17 verse 24. This is the Lord speaking. He says. Thou lovest me. He's praying to his father in time. He says, thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Before there was time, oh, how the father loved the son. How the son loved the father. How the father loved the spirit. How the son loved loved the spirit all there was was God 
He didn't create men because he's lonely. He's perfectly happy in himself. He did it for his glory. Listen to this scripture. And I would argue that there's no more significant scripture in the Bible than this. So let me ask you to turn there so you can see it with your own eyes. Revelation 13. Verse 8. And all, Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This uh, figure of Antichrist. They will worship him. Here's who will not worship him, and who's who, here's who will worship him. All that dwell upon the earth will, shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, do you hear that? what that's saying? The Lamb slain before there was time. That's what from the foundation of the world means. Before there was time. The universe was created for this purpose. For the lamb who was slain before time to come into time and be slain. That is God's eternal purpose. Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And if he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, guess what? He's the lamb raised from the foundation of the world. He doesn't stay dead in eternity. Why that doesn't? No, he's the lamb raised from the foundation of the world. And God's purpose is the cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's eternal purpose to make himself known. His character, who God is, is displayed in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his reason for everything. He's the lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. Before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. Before sin had ever been committed... The payment had already been made. That gives us some idea of what it means to rest in a work that is finished. The father said to the son, Thy throne, O God, is forever. Now like I said, that throne is not a material throne that he's speaking of it's symbolic of his absolute sovereignty a throne of absolute sovereignty it's a throne of absolute justice you know God is righteous he's right whatever he does is right Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne, the psalmist said. And what I love about this is 
is Lord, I love about this. But God doesn't answer to anybody. Whatever he does is right. And he doesn't have some kind of law he's trying to conform himself to. He has no law over his head. He doesn't do something because it's right. It's right because he does it. Because he's God. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Absolute righteousness and judgment and oh, thank God, not only is it a throne of absolute sovereignty and absolute justice, it's called the throne of grace. The throne of grace. That's why folks like me and you can be saved. It's a throne of pure, free grace. Not only is the cross eternal, not only is his throne eternal, listen to this, Hebrews 7.21 says, Thou art a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not just the Levitical uh, priesthood that's found in the Old Testament. Those priests die. They were just symbolic. They just uh, were given to picture the great high priest, the eternal high priest. The Lord Jesus Christ is my representative before God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You know one of the things I like about uh, the scripture? Uh, I can preach the scripture and somebody says, uh, I don't agree with that. Take it up with God then. This is his word. Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Before time. That we should be holy and without blame before him. Now this is the doctrine of divine thanksgiving. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.9. He saved us. And called us. Now that's very important. Note the order. Did you know he saved you before he called you? And if he saved you. He calls you. He saved us. And he called us. They can't be separated. Make your calling and election sure. You can't make your election sure if you don't make your calling sure. He saved us and he called us. Now listen to the rest of the scripture. 2 Timothy 1.9 He saved us. He called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which were given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 
All we have was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, before the creation of the world, before the time. And let's see this. This this is what we're going to hear on Judgment Day. Matthew chapter 25. This is what we're going to hear on Judgment Day. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Before there was time. Salvation by works is is excluded. It's just excluded. This is something something accomplished before time that altogether excludes salvation by works what a work we have to rest in a work finished before time resting in the Lord Jesus Christ oh he says come unto me and I'll give you rest the issue is not for you to figure out whether or not you're elect Come unto him and he'll give you rest. He makes that promise. Don't say, well, what if I'm not elect? Well, what if you are? Come unto him and he will give you rest. He's promised. This doesn't exclude anybody. It includes anybody who wants rest. And you know this thing of eternity. Here's the last statement I want to make. And I I love thinking about this. When there's no past and there's no future, you know what? Everything's new all the time. The gospel is good news all the time. It's not yesterday's newspaper. It's not old news. It's forever new. Happy New Year. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for how glorious you are that you inhabit eternity and that you sent your son in time as part of your purpose, as the purpose of of eternity to glorify all your attributes and to save your people. Lord, we are completely dependent upon you to make yourself known to us. Lord, this, this is so high and glorious and above us. We ask that you, by your grace, would reveal yourself to each one of us according to your will, for Christ's sake. And as we Look forward to the coming year, whatever time we have. Lord, we don't know if it's just a few days or years, but whatever time we have, let it be time where we rest in your accomplished work and that we glorify you in our time here on earth. Give us grace to love you more and love one another more. In Christ's name we pray.